What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another Angle of Pursuit podcast, your fantasy football sports betting and NASCAR home here at fakepigskin.com. I'm your host, Kyle Robert. You follow me on Twitter at NotoriousKRO. With me, as always, it's Brian Twining. Brian Twining, week one is sort of in the books. If you're watching this, uh, the Monday night games have happened. We are recording this during the Giants uh, and Steelers game, so, you know, we may say some nonsense that looks foolish in hindsight, uh, (laughs) but that's just kind of the nature of the beast at this point. So uh, Brian, how was your week one fantasy betting otherwise? Oh man. You know, just the, the fact that we have football back, it made made it fantastic. Like I think this was the first time in a long time where I really wasn't stressing about my fantasy teams. I even cut it extremely close with setting my lineups on a couple of them with getting in like the last five minutes, realizing, Oh crap, I haven't checked my team because I was just so excited to get these games started. Yeah. Well, and also uh, for those that you that don't know, we are on live on YouTube on Sunday mornings uh answering your questions breaking down anything that's going on uh starting next week we'll get on at 11 30 instead of 11 uh felt like push it back a little bit have a little more solid info and uh address any question any start sit questions any betting questions uh any wait pre you know preemptive waiver wire pickups um all that good stuff sunday morning so join brian and i uh, we're on for an hour, basically up until about 30 minutes before kickoff. And that's when we hop off. And uh, But we are always available via Twitter. Uh, you can see our Twitter handles up on the, uh, on the show. Um, so, Brian, I guess from, from week one, it was interesting to me. Like, for, for some players, it felt like they didn't miss a beat. Um, like, they just kind of picked it up where they left off. Other guys had kind of interesting weeks. Uh, I guess, what was your biggest takeaway, whether it's a player that impressed you, a player that scared you, some combination? What were you at? I mean, I think in general, one of the things that we had hit on prior to week one getting underway was, were we going to see teams come out and the offenses were just going to completely dominate the defenses, or was it going to be um, defensive football was going to be, you know, proving to be more relevant because of what's happened over this off season with COVID and all that stuff. And like, to me, it was, it was pretty amazing to see how much scoring there was in a week one amongst most of the games. I mean, you saw, um, you know, Carolina and, and I almost called them Oakland and Las Vegas. Like we kind of said, you know, get into a a shootout Atlanta and Seattle was up and down the field. Um, You know, so I think for me, it was just how effective the offenses were. Yeah. And I think the thing that scared me the most as being a Cowboys fan was how ineffective the Cowboys offense was last night. Yeah, it was that that game was interesting. I I really feel like you guys should have won as someone who was holding a Rams plus three ticket. Uh, I wasn't feeling comfortable. I was even texting you halftime. I was like, oh, this is going to end badly. The, the Cowboys are up somehow in a game where they didn't play that great. Uh, shouts to Nuke Hopkins. Uh, oh, man. That dude was, you know, there. it's funny, too, because there was a lot of uh, pessimism about him coming into the season um, and how quickly he could get involved and people were kind of backing off and that offense is going to have targets going everywhere. Nope. 
Uh, 16 targets, 14 catches, 151 yards. That dude was involved early, involved often. Uh, had like 12 catches at one point, and the Niners just decided that they weren't going to cover him and breaks free into the in, into the um, into the secondary and almost scores a touchdown. Um, I want to talk about New Orleans for a second. I didn't watch a ton of this game. I do want to go back and and kind of go through it and figure out what happened. Uh, but it was very interesting. Obviously, uh, Michael Thomas. We'll see what the situation is there, but uh, three catches for 17 yards on five targets is very un-Michael Thomas-like. Um, and Alvin Kamara had three touchdowns, or, or two touchdowns, rather. Uh, he had a third one that was he, – he I think he scored at the end, but they called it back. Um, that cost me $20 on uh, DFS, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> but in terms of volume, like, I'm a little concerned. Camara, 12 carries for 16 yards, um, and he had five catches for 51. So, so, I mean, 17 touches, I guess, is okay. But when Latavius Murray, 14, 15 carries for 48 yards, much more productive, Um Tampa's got a really good rush defense, so it feels like that was kind of the plan. They also just paid this guy a lot of money, so they were seemingly, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see if that's kind of their, let's be a little more precautionary with him Mm -hmm. and use him in in certain spots. Uh, They're still with this Taysom Hill nonsense, which I don't get. Like the whole, yeah, yeah it's so frustrating watching the, that. The throwback thing was fine, but the the carries I don't get. I don't know, but I guess you have I, to work those in to make some of that stuff work. Yeah, no, I so I I had my eye on this game, uh, pretty pretty prevalently during the uh, the one thirty time slot there, and you know, to me, I think I think one of the things that was was pretty prevalent was that Tampa Bay's defense is a lot better than what we saw last year, and. Okay. You know, I think that's probably why New Orleans wasn't really able to get going. You saw Drew Brees under a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. He was having to hit those quick hitters. I think that's why Michael Thomas wasn't as effective. I mean, yeah. they they were bringing the blitz uh, early and often there. I, I'm not worried about Kamara. I mean, still getting 17 touches out of the backfield. like, And then towards the end, when they had double-digit lead, uh, you know, that's when they're going to pound the rock. And why are you going to subject your – your do everything 100, whatever the hell million dollar guy to that kind of blows when you have a bigger back in Latavius Murray. So, yeah. And I think, you know, it's interesting. We talked about how kind of a lot of the offenses seem to be clicking and kind of that kind of stuff. Uh, but maybe the no preseason is, was it was more impactful to offensive lines. Uh, we obviously yes. Car- and Carson Wentz obviously had, you know, no Lane Johnson isn't great. But Jared Goff and Dak were both under a ton of pressure. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was under a ton of pressure. Um, even Kyler Murray, he seemed to be getting under pressure. He was able to get out of it uh, and had over 100 yards rushing. So that well, that dude has wheels. That's yeah. So he and I think you know, obviously, I'm going to be curious to see how teams kind of attack him because the Niners really seemed like they were kind of like afraid of that happening and and kind of sitting back. I watched a lot. I watched this game very closely. Um, but yeah, I mean, and just in general, a lot of these quarterbacks were under pressure, and I'm watching uh, the the Giants and Steelers out of the corner of my eye and see Big Ben just getting crushed. So uh, maybe that's <laughs> just the first couple weeks. Uh, it does seem like the Rams' offensive line is going to be 
better in general. And obviously mm-hmm. we'll talk about Malcolm Brown here in a little bit. So uh, our game plan for this show is, uh, on uh, for Tuesday is to help get you set for the waiver wire, obviously recap any major news, uh, injuries, that kind of stuff, and then help get you set on who you should be attacking and you know who you should be going after and who you should let your league mates uh, go take instead and, and kind of uh, avoid um, spending too much money. Uh, Brian, was there any other big takeaways in terms of players or teams that you want to talk about before we, uh, start focusing on our waiver wire ads? No, I mean, it just, for me, it, I think it was amazing to see three Atlanta Falcons wide receivers surpass a hundred yards. And, you know, like we said, we, we were, we are in love with this offense this year. And if that defense is going to get torched like that on a weekly basis, you're yeah. going to see a lot of fantasy points out of that Falcons team. Yep. And shouts to Tom Brady for joining the illustrious company of Matt Schaub and Blaine Gabbert as one of three quarterbacks to have three straight games with a pick six. It's uh, not not necessarily what you're looking for. Not the company you want to be involved with, but uh, you know we'll see. Obviously, Mike Evans banged up, but still catches the touchdown. So if you played him, we'll see. Uh, the Michael Thomas injury is concerning, and and we'll talk about that too. Some some potential ads, but uh, the good news is the Saints play Monday night against the Raiders. The bad news is the Saints play Monday night against the Raiders, um, and so you know. Well, it's it's going to be something you'll want to monitor. Um, but when we talk about some of these names, if you're a Michael Thomas owner and you're like, I really want to do everything I can to play Michael Thomas, uh, someone like Brian Edwards, someone like Traquan Smith, someone like Hunter Renfro and PPR could make a lot of sense. Or you put them in your flex and then maybe you can open up a little bit more a Latavius Murray uh you know, potentially Jared Cook if you have another tight end, that kind of stuff. Um, so just think about that as you're attacking the waiver wire. Even if you don't put claims in, you're saying, oh, well, all these guys are kind of whatever. We'll see. It's just better to have that. And then you can make adjustments if we, oh, yeah, Michael Thomas by Thursday or Friday is yeah. fine and everything's all good. Um, so let's talk about that Niners game because George Kittle uh, got hung out to dry by Jimmy Garoppolo, got hit in the knee, uh, finished the game. Uh, but was not nearly involved in the second half. Shanahan basically said, oh, yeah, no, that was the game plan and what Arizona was doing. I'm not buying it. I mean, the fact that he's a a really good blocker and was blocking as well as he normally does is a good sign. Uh, They're going to – the Niners are basically going to test his knee on Wednesday and see kind of how it's going. But that's going to be something you'll want to monitor. Blake Jarwin got hurt last night. He's on the IR, done for the year. Uh, David Njoku, IR, done for the year. Um, the tight the only, pitch- the only Browns player to score yesterday. Yeah, David yeah that, that was interesting. Austin Hooper, uh, you know, was the big name, and Njoku catches the touchdown. Um, I'm patient on Austin on Austin Hooper. I actually think he's an interesting guy that if you need tight end help, and um, the owner, you know, the person who has them on their team is frustrated with them or thinks, you know, he may, he may even be an outright drop for some owners. Um, so, so that could be a name that if, you know, if, if he sneaks onto the waiver wire, this is going to be the week this week and next week are overreactive owners. So yes. be aware of your waiver wire, monitor those transactions, be ready to pounce when one of your league mates drops 
somebody because they're not going to do anything because they didn't do anything in one game. Uh, okay, so Kittle, yeah. Uh, so if we're looking to pick up somebody, um, as gross as it is to say, but I, I think Jimmy Graham is someone that if you need somebody who's widely available, um, he kind of looks like an option. Yeah, I mean, we're more than likely looking at what seems to be a like a minor injury for Kittle right now, which if he misses this week, and to me, I, I really think the four, it would behoove the 49ers to lean on the side of caution here because they're going into a game against the Jets who, yep. I mean, they're the Jets. Let's, let's be honest here. So there's no reason to rush him out there. Um, and as far as Jimmy Graham goes – he was second on the team in total targets. He saw two red zone targets. Dude should have had two touchdowns. Yep. Um, he seems to be a guy that Trubisky was looking for in the end zone as a big, as a one of the tallest receivers on the team. Because other than Allen Robinson, everyone else out there catching passes for him is of the diminutive stature. So, I mean, if you're looking for a one week fill in, Jimmy Graham is a great, you know, touchdown option. Yeah, he's he's widely available. Um, another person that if you're you know you're in a other my a lot of my leagues you know has two guys taken and uh, there's not a lot out there. Uh, Logan Thomas is another guy that's really interesting. Played seventy four is per Jared Smola of Draft Sharks. Played seventy four percent of the snaps. Ran eighty six percent of routes when he's on the field and had twenty six percent of his team's targets. So uh, he's on. He's playing. He's involved. He's in an offense that needs help and someone to step up could be somebody if you're digging deeper now if we're looking you know at, at guys that are a little more owned uh you know we'll see what eric ebron does we'll see what johnny smith does both guys could be interesting uh tj Hawkinson's a guy who's available in a little over 25 percent of leagues austin hooper 25 percent of leagues mike gusecki about 23 i love all those guys going forward um I also like Jack Doyle. Uh, I mean, we'll, we're going to talk to Heem Hines um, and, and this Colts offense here in a little <laughs> bit. But I, I still believe, you know, we spent a lot of time, you know, during the offseason coming to conclusions, figuring out who we like, figuring out the players we want to buy in on. And to just throw that out after one game based on anything we saw, whether that's good or bad or, or indifferent. Um, I think is, is is silly. Yeah, no, I you know for me, I've it, over the years it's, as you play more and more fantasy football or fantasy sports in general, you know you have to give your guys time to kind of settle in. And for me, it's like I think it's the three week mark. And if dudes just aren't performing uh, to where you expect, or if they're just seem to be underperforming, then that's when I would cut bait. But like a guy like Jack Doyle, who I mean. The Colts are going to have better days. Yep. Appar- apparently, Jacksonville's defense was fast because Philip couldn't. He, he was only able to really hit Paris Campbell on short routes. Um, Philip looked confused out there a lot of the time. It, it was it was interesting to see, yeah. but you know, like guys like Jack Doyle, it, it, there are better days to come, especially with a guy with Philip Rivers behind center. So let's dive into that offense uh, and talk about the running backs because I think this is going to be the the one of the players that a lot of people are going to go after, and rightfully so. Yeah. Uh, Naheem Hines is a factor, and it was very bizarre to watch. I was actually watching this game a lot more yes. than I expected, uh, mainly to see what James Robinson could do and what that that uh, Jaguars offense may look like. 
but Hines was involved. He was involved early, was involved near the goal line. Uh, Marla Mack is done for the year. Torn ACL. We'll see you in 2021. Uh, big blow. That addition of uh, Jonathan Taylor is looking smart. Um, had seven carries for 28 yards, a touchdown, eight catches for 45 yards. Um, but a couple caveats to that. Uh, per Adam Leviton of established the run, once Mac went down at the 829 mark of the second quarter, or 829 left, uh, Jonathan Taylor had 10 carries and six targets. Heinz had three carries and seven targets. It's clearly going to be a duo. Uh, per, per Stephen Holder of the athletic Frank Reich said, Jonathan will step into the starting role. He's ready. Naheem's Naheem will still be a big part of the offense. Uh, they're elevating Jordan Wilkins to kind of that third role. Um, and this could be a situation that's a little gross. And, and, and the fact that, um, the fact that, uh, Jordan Wilkins is going to be involved at all when you have both of these running backs, doesn't make a lot of sense. We'll see how important he is or how much he's being used. But in terms of Heinz, in terms of expectations going forward, where, where's your head at? Are you How aggressive are you going to be on the waiver wire? All that good stuff. Well, I mean, luckily for me, if, if I had had the roster space, I would have already had Heinz as we kind of spoke about him as a preemptive ad. I mean, we, I mean, I we mean, only do so much, Brian. Yeah, I, I mean, and, and the, the injury to Marlon Mack, it just makes his addition on your team just just that much more important. Um, you know, I can see this as turning into a very similar situation that they had with the Chargers where Jonathan Taylor is the Melvin Gordon and Naeem Himes is the Austin Eckler. Jordan Wilkins is going to play that, that Justin Jackson role where he's going to see a handful of carries. He's not really going to be in there on passing downs. He's going to play special teams. And I think that's, that's majorly the reason why he is going to be promoted is to play those special team snaps and you know taylor is obviously going to be the workhorse here but heinz he he is a dynamic receiver out of the backfield and it was shown early and often in that game and there must be something to the fact that he was playing the majority of the red zone snaps philip rivers must trust him as a guy he has a dump off option down there and so so must reich as he was you know he was option 1a early on in that game so yeah Heinz, I'm going all in on him this week. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm I'm comfortable spending, like, depending on needs, obviously, right? If you're in a full PPR and you're running back needy team, I'm I'm fine spending 50-60% because I think he is going to be involved. If you're in a more of a standard or you're a running back heavy team, you don't really need a ton of uh, you know potential there. Mm-hmm. Maybe you let somebody else blow their fab and, yep. and go a different direction. Um but, you know, it, it, it's all very, very team dependent. But what he did yesterday is legit. What he can what his role in this offense is going to be very much uh, to be expected. That being said, I do think Jonathan Taylor has a chance to <laughs> kind of explode and be more and more of a factor as we roll along. Um, I know that we didn't see a lot of him catching passes at Wisconsin, but he was involved in the passing game. They had a beautiful screenplay set up where he, I think he could have scored. He got right to the goal line, um, but looks really good with the ball in his hands. Very mobile. Uh, doesn't seem timid. You know, one cut go. Um, so I'm 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 excited about Jonathan Taylor and those that you drafted him fourth, fifth, sixth round, wherever you happen to get him. Um, you know, even if it's a little earlier, Mac going out is is going to be a big boost to that. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the results are going to end up 
being a lot better than maybe your process, uh, especially knowing that we're already in week two and we're talking about Max out of the way. We don't have to worry about it. Um, let's talk Chargers really quick before we kind of run through some other names at running back because Austin Eckler, Austin Eckler and Clyde Edwards-Alaire getting a total of like two targets in week one um, might be the biggest story of week one. Uh, I am... I'm going everywhere to try to get Eckler right now. Yeah, I don't 100% agree. I'm glad that I was going to ask you because people are going to people are going to be panicking on him. Uh, I think Joshua Kelly is going to be involved. Justin Jackson, I believe, was going to be kind of that, uh, but the injury kind of took him out of the game pretty early. Uh, Joshua Kelly looked good in his carries, um, and I believe he'll be involved a little more. Uh, I did hear some quotes from Anthony Lynn that were a little concerning about the lack of passing and kind of that's where the, the offense is going to go. I still think in the end, of, in the end, he's going to be so much more important for the passing game. And, you know, it, it's funny because Austin Eckler and Clyde Edwards Alaire both were productive on the ground, yep. didn't do a lot in the running game or in the passing game. Clyde Edwards Alaire is the next superstar. Austin Eckler is let's let's freak out and let's you know let's trade him, let's cut him. They basically had a similar game. Um, it's but because we came in with certain expectations one way or the other, uh, it's funny how the perception and the reality are are a little distant. Yeah, I think especially uh, this week. I think we're going to see a lot more Eckler uh, in terms of passing game usage. I mean, they're going up against the Chiefs, yeah. who they're going to boat race most teams in the NFL this year. So the Chargers are going to find themselves probably trailing in this one early. And yeah. whereas against the Bengals, it was you know it was a back and forth affair. It was an extremely close game, so there was really no need to you know play that let's pass the ball down the field all game. And they yeah. kind of did what I expected coming into the season, and they're going to lean on the run. Amazingly enough, we're finally seeing Mike Williams be involved in this passing offense. Um, Let's talk about that for a second. Because <laughs> all I heard right before the season started was Mike Williams, oh, he's probably going to miss the first four games. We're going to take it easy with him. What's going on? Oh, he's going to play and he's going to be in factive and he's going to be a part of the offense. And, and he did exactly what we worried about on Sunday morning with those diving catch attempts falling on his shoulder. He didn't care. Like he doesn't care. Um, let's stay in LA and talk about the Rams. Obviously, we both watched that game pretty closely. As a resident Cowboys fan, I was on the Rams. Uh Malcolm Brown, 70 44 snaps, 21 routes, Cam Akers 24 and 10. Darrell Henderson, 5-1. Darrell Henderson is clearly the third option. Uh, I think Cam Akers has the opportunity to kind of steal that role as the season went along. And we had a question in our uh, in our live stream kind of about him and what it could be and, um, you know, where how how impactful he could be. And we were like, be patient, but don't play him here. And, and we end up being right on that factor. Now, in terms of Malcolm Brown, who this is a guy that we've kind of like when Gurley got hurt, we thought maybe would elevate. Clearly wasn't ready for the limelight. Clearly wasn't ready for whatever it was. Uh, but McVay trusts him. The uh, was productive. And this offensive line, in terms of run blocking, looked a million times better. Uh, a lot more open lanes for, for Brown to squeak through. Is Brown somebody that you're interested in going forward? Or does the Cam Akers factor concern you a little bit oh man you know this is a difficult 
this is a difficult situation to fully assess as the Cowboys defense really prides itself on the ability to, to rush the quarterback and not on stopping the run. And then especially with when Leighton Vander Esch went out for Dallas, that left a gaping hole in the middle. They're missing Gerald McCoy this year who injured himself. So, you know, I'm not going to take too much away from week one, just like we said, like you're going to see a lot of overreaction Monday. Um, I think early on, it'll probably be the Malcolm Brown show, but what, who's to say, the next time the Rams go out there and they're losing by two scores, they don't completely turn it over to Cam Akers, who is is a little more explosive than Brown. And then and then we're talking about Akers as the guy there in the Rams. It's it's still a fluid situation to me and not one that I'm willing to kind of like, you know, put put forth all my fab towards it. You know, like it 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 still worries me a little bit with yeah, I'm with you as somewhat I, I am a little more optimistic. I think he is gonna be and if you need somebody for the next few weeks, if you have Madison's and you know more of a handcuffs type situations or guys that you need you're waiting to pop or if you own acres, uh, I think it could make a lot of sense. Um uh, Adrian Peterson is very Matt Patricia shouts to him. Uh, I, I have some concerns that they're going to run him at least while he's healthy um, <laughs> and, and, and carry on. It's clearly somebody they're not interested in. Uh, are you comfortable cutting carry on Johnson? Are you adding Adrian Peterson? Man, carry on Johnson is just so young. It's, it's difficult to imagine that just a couple of years ago, we'd be talking about just completely setting him free to the waiver wires and fantasy. Um, I mean, as of right now, he seems to be the third option with Swift being the preferred passing. I mean, well, maybe not anymore after yeah, dropping that game-winning touchdown. That and, and found his way in the end zone. But, but yeah. I do I do really think going forward, this is the AP and DeAndre Swift show. And on Johnson is somebody that if you're in need of, you know, a, a streaming quarterback or if you have George Kittle, like I, I think I'd be more than likely to drop on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going out of my way to do it. Uh, but if you're looking at names and he's kind of one of those guys, like he averaged 15 touches a game and had seven yesterday. So that's a little concerning. Um, I'm not adding Adrian Peterson. I, I, I know that game worked out really well, but I, I, I'm not, I'm not about that life. Uh, James Robinson is the only running back that had all of his team's uh, carries. So that's something I'm interested in. We'll see what this Jacksonville offense looks like. Uh, the Jags are going in to play my Titans next week as 11 point underdogs. So I'm not sure I'm loving the running back in that spot, but we'll see. Um, if you can afford to be patient, I'm definitely adding him. So Brian at running back, uh, who's your, who's your one, two, and three. If you're looking to pick somebody up. Well, number one for me is Naheem Hines, like guaranteed, guaranteed touches in an offense that Phillip Rivers loves to throw to his guys, especially if you're in a PPR league. Um, even though I'm not in love with him going forward, as I said, like I think Brown is the second option there just with that, that offense being able to move the, move the ball down the field. And then the third option, if he's out there, I'm going after Zach Moss as he so wasn't bad. he, gets, he wasn't efficient with his touches, but he did not is, at football. He, he got a lot of volume in week one, and he made he, a lot of volume in week two, and he's getting goal line carries and he's getting yes. he's getting the stuff that says he should be important. But, <laughs> but I don't think he's good. And I think the longer it goes, the more they're gonna realize that and they're more gonna back off. Maybe I'm gonna look like an idiot. 
And well, and it's happened before. It'll probably happen again. But let me just um, say, so the only strength of the Jets' defense is their rush defense. And when they when Buffalo got down to the goal line, they've really shorted up, and they were they, they were stuffing the run. But you know, ten carries inside the twenty or something like that, like or ten snaps, like it. I want that on a yeah, team that's yeah. going to run the ball, get down there, and with a quarterback who is sweating KY jelly out of his hands. He cannot hold on to the ball. Yeah, yeah. Josh Allen is not, he's going to drop that MVP trophy if he can't hold on to the football. Uh, yeah, I mean, if Zach Moss is out there and you want to add him, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think he's good, but the the volume is important. Uh, Hines is my number one. Malcolm Brown's my number two. James Robinson's my number three. Uh, let's run through receivers. It's not um, as as cut and dry and crystal clear. Uh, I'm going to throw out a few names. Just tell me who, who pops into your head as somebody you're interested in. Uh, and if I don't mention somebody and there's somebody else you want to throw out there, you know, feel free. Uh, so I have Russell Gage, LaVisca Chanel, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, Robbie Anderson, and Van Jefferson on my list. I mean, for the immediate future, I think uh, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, and LaVisca Chenault are the first two that jump out to me because they seem to be the number two options on their teams. But if you are you know, uh, a Ridley owner or a Julio Jones owner, like Russell Gage, if, if one of those two guys were to go down, I mean, look at the volume that that team is presenting to its pass catchers. He would immediately step into an even higher volume of passes than he already saw yesterday as the third option. Um, and I think we're going to see a lot of these games out of Gage as we kind of hit on him on Sunday morning about like the prospects of this guy playing on an offense for a team that has a crappy defense in most, most weeks they're going to be throwing the ball 40, 50 times a game. So yep. I'm looking at, I'm looking at Gage as like the sleeper guy. Yeah. I like that call. Um, I, I'm going to be curious to, to watch the first couple weeks because obviously all three Falcons receivers had 12 targets uh, yesterday. It was a more of a product of the game, I feel. Uh, Todd Gurley not getting involved much in the passing game was a little interesting. Yes, it was. Um, but yeah, I, I, LaVisca Chenault's the guy that I'm I'm going to pound the table for. I was doing it before week one. Uh, he did exactly what I expected. He caught a touchdown, uh, You know, was involved in running plays. I am going to be curious to see... like. Gardner Minshew was 19 to 20, obviously incredibly efficient, uh, but was dinking and dunking and checking down and not, not really attacking. Obviously DJ Chark got the big touchdown. Um, it's, it, it fits well into what, uh, LaVisca does well. Like here, mm -hmm. go get the, like he would be perfect in the Niners system, like doing a yes. lot of what they do. So think about that. Um, uh, but you know, I, I do think it, to your point, he has, Basically, that second wide receiver is open. I want to see what Jacksonville is going to do. Next week will be really interesting because not only are my Titans like kind of banged up in the secondary with Adoree Jackson, who's not playing against Denver, uh, down Vic Beasley tonight. We'll see about next week. But they also are, like I said, 11-point underdogs. So if they throw it 32 times instead of 20 times, what does that passing you know spread look like? Obviously, Keelan Cole was more involved in this game. If that's something that continues, then maybe. Uh, but I do like LaVisca's upside. Um, and then MVS is a guy that I've liked for a long time. Um, if you you know look at kind of his volume uh, per Frank Stamfel, he had four targets inside the red zone. Him, uh, he was 
just that's which is only which is third behind Marv, uh behind teammate Devontae Adams and Calvin Ridley. Um was, he also had two near touchdowns, one on a drop and another on a shoelace tackle down by the goal line. So he was looking at close to a three touchdown day yesterday. Yeah, and I'm curious to see how it pans out. Obviously, you know, we were kind of interested about this Packers offense and what Aaron Rodgers would be. You know, they didn't get him anybody. And maybe Al Lazard and Marcus Valdez-Scantling are just going to be guys that we're interested in. Um, the nice thing about receiver this week is I wouldn't go – like, I, I guess let's let's see where your head's at. But, like, I, I feel like you don't – like, there there's enough of – the similar kind of upside guys that blowing your fab on one, any one of these guys, I I'm not sure I'm about that life. Yeah, no, there's like you said, like the NFL has transitioned into a pass first league and most teams are running, you know, three wide receiver sets. Um, So I don't think there's any one guy who's going to step into that double digit 15 target role anytime soon, which would warrant you to go out and, you know, blow all your, all your fab on. But you know, there's guys that are deeper down the list. And if we go back to what's happening in San Francisco right now, you look at a guy like Trent Taylor, who saw five targets yesterday. He runs out of the slot. He's a, he's runs those little short routes who Garoppolo is going to have to throw to somebody. Yeah. Well, th- that's somebody. And we'll talk about Garoppolo here in a second. Cause uh, we'll give you guys a, a quarterback streamer for week two. Uh, we'll try and give you a couple names every week that if you are dealing with injuries or bye weeks or all that good stuff, uh, you or you just want to, you know, you're you're playing the streamer game looking for the best matchup. But that, I mean, that that offense, like it's Kendrick Bourne and all the running backs and tight ends. And if Kittle doesn't play this week, I'm I'm seriously concerned about where they may throw the football. It sounds like Ayuk's playing, so that might be a nice under the radar pickup where if he's available in your leagues. Uh, your league mates don't think about him because he didn't do anything in week one. All of a sudden, he's pushed into an offense that is nobody to catch the ball. No, potentially no George Kittle. Um, obviously, they're going to run. Obviously, they're going to throw their running backs. But, you know, you could walk into seven targets, two hand handoffs, 180 total yards, and two touchdowns, and you're going to be loving life. So if you want to get a little preemptive, Brandon Ayuk could make a lot of sense. Um but for me, I like LaVisca is my number one. Um, the Packers guys, uh, Valdez, Scantling, and uh, Alan Lazard are, are kind of that two. I, I prefer Valdez to to uh, to Lazard at this point. Um, and then, like, Robbie Anderson had a big game, but I'm not sure I'm buying it. Much like the, the kind of offense that Jacksonville is running, um, I expect they're about a lot more underneath stuff. And then Robbie kind of had a big play and ended up scoring a touchdown and made the numbers look better. Uh, who's your one, two, three at receiver? Uh, I'm going MVS. Um, I, I know it's only one game and we shouldn't overreact, but Here we Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers looked amazing yesterday for the first time in years against that Vikings defense. As yeah. Mike Zimmer has had his number for a long time. Uh, that was extremely impressive. And it's long been known that, if you were the number two guy for Green Bay, you were going to get your touches. And it looks like Aaron Rodgers might be able to produce some sort of fantasy relevance other than Devontae Adams. Yep. And um, he's not going to throw to the tight end. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has been in the league nope. long enough where we got to <laughs> stop doing this shit. Like Jermichael Finley was the last one. Like stop trying to put Jimmy Graham and Jay Sternberger and whoever the, the hell. Sternbergers have been, have been cooked uh, yep. to be on char now. Um, yep. 
I think number two for me would probably be Chenault. Just I think we see a little more involvement out of him this week. I know I know Robinson got all of the carries out of that Jacksonville backfield, but going into Tennessee as eleven point dogs, I I think Tennessee might be might have a little bit better defense than what the Colts have, even if they're they're a little bit banged up. And I think Jacksonville's trailing in this game, and I do think they get a little more creative with with Chenault upcoming, and then. As much as I love Russell Gage, I'm going to go with a little surprise one here, somebody that I've been adding in a lot of leagues, and that's Van Jefferson. He saw 50, 50% of the snaps back yeah. there as, as the number three guy. He's easily the third option there. He showed off a couple times on some nice nice routes. He he showed a veteran move deep down the field. Yes, we, as Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju! The, re, the, uh, re, the rebirth of Juju. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I, I love the Van Jefferson call. Uh, Josh Reynolds is clearly the fourth guy in that offense. And yeah, and were to happen to Cooper Cup or Robert Woods, Baltimore. Well, and like we said, like it, I don't think anybody could have predicted the Rams go in there and run as much as they did. We were expecting them to do their stereotypical Sean McVay, we're going to throw the ball 35 times, but they're all like intermediate to deep patterns. And I think that's more than likely to come. And I want to be on the safe side and have pieces in that offense. Okay. Uh, let's hit quarterback streamers and get out of here. Uh, from that game that you mentioned with uh, LaVisca Chanel, I like I like Gardner Minshew this week as a streaming option. Uh, as you know, uh, the, the over-under isn't quite as high as I'd like. It's only like 43, 43 and a half. Uh, but as 11-point underdogs in an offense that, with passing options with, you know, obviously DJ Chark, LaVisca, Chris Conley, Keelan Cole. I think there's going to be enough opportunity and I think uh, he'll have to throw a lot. So I, I think that's going to be a good opportunity. Um, and then, you know, Jimmy G is the guy that you want to talk about. Like, <laughs> I know he hasn't. He, so th- my reasoning for Jimmy Garoppolo is the fact that the Jets, like I stated, they, they pride themselves on being able to stop the run. And we all know San Francisco, they're going to want to do that. But, yeah. you know, even with um, the injury to George Kittle, if he doesn't play, which I think that they should probably hold him out, even with the way that they've run this offense, a lot of short passing to Jarek McKinnon or Jet McKinnon, as we like yeah. to say, he, yeah, he looks I, great. I never heard Jet McKinnon in my whole life. Apparently they do it in the Niners I guess like, that's documentary yeah. and that's a thing they do. But, but that, yeah, that, so that was bugging me all day yesterday. Anyways. He, he looked great. We saw Raheem Mostert take a little dump off pass, 70 something yards for a touchdown. Um, <laughs> Jordan Reed, he got involved. He had two catches. Uh, I think there's enough pieces out there for them to attack a Jets defense who just allowed Josh Allen to go for over 300 yards yep. um, who and complete 70% of his passes. Very similarly to the way Garoppolo likes to do it. He threw a lot of shorter routes with his guys, you know, racking up those yak yards. And I think we see that this week against the Jets also for the 49ers. Yeah, and I I guess part of my concern is that the Niners get up big and and run the game away, but I think part of how they get up big and run the game away is on Jimmy's arm. Uh, and as I mentioned, Ayuk should be back next week. Uh, we'll see if Smelly Dwelly gets involved. Maybe he's the guy that if you just need a touchdown from your tight end and the waiver wire is real barren, uh, you could go that way. Uh, might be a good DFS option. Well, you know, th- these are all things we'll figure out as, as the week goes along. But uh, Jimmy G, I, I like it. Uh, Gardner Minshew I, is another guy that if you're if you're frustrated and uh, you know 
you know, everybody's waiver wire is going to be a little different. If there's a Jared Goff, if there's a Daniel Jones, if there's a Joe Burrow, those all could be um, interesting ways to look. Uh, Brian Twining, this was fun. Good to catch up. Good to talk to all these guys. Uh, we will be back on Thursday, Friday uh, to talk about bets, talk about DFS, get you prepared for week two. This season is off. It's running. Here we go. Uh, hold on to your pants because this thing is going to get crazy. Hey.